you wanna learn about the music industry and you don't know where to go, tune into WP88.7 Brave New Radio. We got managers, producers, record labels, concert promoters galore. You never know what's in store on music, biz, one on and Every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Oh, here we are, Music Biz 101 and more, Brave New Radio 88.7 WPSC, the only campus radio station in William Patterson, the University of Wayne, New Jersey, 07470. I'm your professor, David Kirkville. I'm with you, yes, Dr. He professor. Is. Who are you? Marconi. Esteban Marconi. We're happy to be here. <laughs> yes. You're listening to live radio, taped, pre recorded. This has happened in the past. Right. Yet for us right now, it's happening in the now. Beautiful downtown. Nashville, the Tennessee state. Beautiful. Yes, yeah, so we don't know what kind of, you know, New Jersey's the Garden State, Pennsylvania's the Keystone State. I don't know what state we are. No idea hot what. right now. The, the, the hot is. state. The hot, are you from Tennessee? I'm not. I'm Good. from the Maryland, D.C. area. Oh, okay, we were talking with Charity Lomax, who is doing artist relations at JH Audio, Jerry Harvey Audio. We're going to get deep into what Charity Lomax does. So say hello to Charity Lomax. <laughs> yes. yes, Marconi refuses to clap. He's in the post-lunch blues. And then we have Riggs, Christina Rigamonti, who is our student who made this happen. Christina Rigamonti. There we go. Once again, Marconi would not clap. There are issues. Nope. So we want to give thanks right now to the Music Business Association, which gave us this room for the second year in a row, in which we are doing great interviews with people at the Music Biz Convention, Music Biz 2017. So thank you for that. We want to give thanks to the folks at Van Dyne Bruno, Inc., and White Hat Management with artists like Charlie Poop, Dave Matthews, Kiss, St. Vincent. There's only one place to go for your band's business management. Go to vb-cpa.com when it's best for you as a band. Don't let us force you. When it's good for you, you do it that. And we are, where are we right now? Nashville, Tennessee. I already... The Volunteer State. Ah, the Volunteer ah, State. Good to know. There we go. Now we know. Something matters. There we go. And Bring we are volunteering our time for this because we are not getting paid for every radio show, are we? That's true. That's right. <laughs> so it's the volunteer show. And we want to give thanks to Rob Sorry, Have you ever heard the song Bootalicious? Yes. Have you no, ever heard no, the song no. Paparazzi? Like Gaga? Yeah. Of course. Have you ever heard the song No, No, No? Not No, 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 No. I haven't. Destiny. No, No, No. Just say No, No, No. <laughs> Destiny's no, no. Child? Destiny's Child. No. Lion Eyes? That's you're gonna hate Eagles. me. You're gonna, of course. Well, Eagles, well, of course. Know, that's <laughs> that one I've heard a few times. That's right. This is our, fr our friend Rob Fusari wrote those songs. Oh, okay. So and he produced oh. Lady Gaga at the beginning. Uh -huh. Yes. So he, because of Rob, who's an alum of our alum of our program, he donated some money, which was able to go to Riggs, so that she could not directly to her, yeah, but right. it's paid for her hotel. Oh, awesome. So she and uh, Aaron Van Dynamite, Van Dyne, Bruno, yes. um, they're the ones who donated money so that our students could come and. Do what we're doing. That's amazing. So thanks to them. We should remind people go to musicbiz101wp.com, sign up for a newsletter, read our stuff, and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, the Facebook at musicbiz101wp. And of course, if you're not listening to this on Brave New Radio, the number one college radio station in America, and that is true. That is not a Trumpian lie. That is true. <laughs> you can also listen to the podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. By the way, we do have 17 million listeners, and they're all listening right now. That is truth. I'm being truthy no with you. No pressure. By the way, for pressure. being here and listening, you get right in front of you a copy 
of Managing Your Band of the Sixth Edition, written by Dr. Esteban Marconi. Love it. With a little help from myself, and this is coming out, and you huge. can buy that on Amazon. It's going to be huge. 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 I love it. That's right. And we love you already, and we haven't even started. <laughs> the Love Fest begins with Christina Rigamonti. Do your thing. Ready? One, two, three, go. All right. So today we have the pleasure to interview a full sale recording arts graduate. Oh, great. She's been the production coordinator and the road manager for legendary artists like Van Halen, Aerosmith, Janet Jackson, Don Henley, Sublime with Rome, Queen Latifah, and The Eagles. Today she is working in artist relations with JH Audio, which is known for their high-end professional and custom in-ear monitors worn by the biggest names in the industry today. Her name is Charity Lomax. Her name is Charity Lomax. Yes. Oh, yes. And you have to tell us about Irving Azar. I One love it. I love that he's the biggest man in the room. <laughs> Maybe small in stature, but the, size but the, doesn't but matter the biggest man in the room. <laughs> little giant. Love yeah. Irving. Oh, yeah. great. Okay. But we will get deep into that. You start. Yes, we're go we're going to go way deep into all that stuff. That's great. Okay, so we were ch chatting out there, and you said that you always were into music. You didn't know what exactly you wanted to do from a young age until uh, you got into high school and narrowed it down. So you got a recording arts um, degree at Full Sail. What made you, what made you choose recording arts? Uh, I had a brother that was an audiophile, so I always like. I remember here's the here was the turning point. He bought a pair of AKG headphones, <laughs> and he, and he was a great older brother. He let me listen to him, and it blew my mind. I was like, I never knew that music could sound that good <laughs> through headphones, because I was used to being in school and you go to the little AV lab, and yeah. it was these little crappy <laughs> cans that you put on. Um, <laughs> and he really, that particular brother, my brother Devery, set my sort of audio love of audio into motion, and. He took me to my first concert. He bought me my first boombox, my first turntable, and all that. So I was always into things that sounded good. And um, through going to concerts and and just seeing the spectacle of it, um, I wanted to be a part of that. And as I was sort of figuring out, like, because you know we didn't have the internet <laughs> back then, um, or it was in its infancy, I should say. There was no googling to figure out what the jobs were. You know, I just knew that I wanted to be a part of it, and it was just. Over time, I fine-tuned that and discovered I wanted to be—I wanted to be an engineer, but I wanted to be a live engineer. And so, it took a while, but eventually, Full Sail found me, and I found Full Sail, and their rest is history. So then, I know you started working at a studio. So how does how do you go from there to becoming tour manager for the Eagles? Um, it was interesting. I had never wanted to work in a studio. Uh, it was the job that I could get. Uh, when I moved out to LA that fell into my lap the the sound company that I wanted to work for wasn't hiring and um, my roommate worked at Westlake Audio and somebody quit and he's mm -hmm. like the job is yours if you want it and I was like I don't really want to work there but you know what I'm gonna have to pay rent eventually so I went and interviewed and was told that I didn't have to make my mind right away so I figured I'd go in a few more interviews and, and decide and then they called me up that night and told me that I had to make a decision so I was <laughs> like well I can always quit you know if I find another job and I ended up staying there for nine years. And it was probably, it was a foundation of my career and nine of the best years, you know, I couldn't have learned at a better place about the business of dealing with record labels and managers and engineers and all that kind of stuff. And um, I eventually, I sort of worked my way up through the ranks. I was a runner, I was a tech, because you had to go through like 
eight yeah. different levels of being a runner. What's a runner? Explain me. Um, you basically what it's just what it sounds like. You go get food for the artists that are there, stuff for the studio. We had to clean the entire building, you know, at the end of the night, and we had two buildings. We had eight rooms, so we, we would oh. have two a runner in each building. But it was like not for the faint of heart, like. Because it, cleaning, because people are in the studio and they're just oh yeah they're there all night all yeah so it's like you if you worked on the night shift you came in at eight and you either left after you cleaned the building when the last session ended or until the morning shift came in if mm -hmm. if the session went all night mm -hmm. so typically I would end up doing a twelve hour shift you know and then or close to that and then going home and then coming back the next day and doing it again. But, um, so yeah, I worked my way up through all the different positions you had to get to before you could be an assistant engineer. <laughs> and I did that for about a year and a half. But I kinda realized, that even though it was great and it was fun to be a part of the creative process, um, one opportunity came along is that our studio manager went on vacation. And he was like, oh, I was a senior assistant at that point. And he was like, you can run the studio, or, or can you run, will you run the studio while I'm gone or just look yeah. after everything? So I said, okay, and I got in that chair and I was like, this is this is me. Like, I'm so much better at doing this than twisting knobs. Mm -hmm. And I recognize that. Mm -hmm. So, um, and How so, so? How did you, what made you think um, that? What, what are the differences? Because I knew I was good at bringing people together. Mm -hmm. I had a lot of technical knowledge and it's, I, I remember getting on the phone with somebody from a label or something like that. and and booking a session and I'm asking him all these questions like how do you want your tape line? what do you want you know this, this to be formatted at da, da 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 and the person was like wow you actually know what you're talking about and I was just good at, at finding the because nothing worse when you have an engineer and then you don't have the right personality for the assistant like like you have to put the right people together mm -hmm. so having been there for so long I knew a lot of the, the regular clients that would come in and I knew all the engineers because I'd worked there so when I put the right team together and this person's like, oh my God, like this guy is great. Like I want him every time I come in. And then I'd go back, you know, when, so when the studio manager would come back and then I'd go back to assisting and I'd be like, all right, this is cool, but I'm, I'm not that good at this. You know, I could do it. I knew how to do all this stuff, but it just, I realized that I was gonna be better and I was gonna thrive more doing something else. And I, without me even trying, they created a position. They let go of someone brought in someone else and they created the position of booking manager and gave it to me and I did that for six of the nine years that I worked there mm -hmm. and, um, and then I kind of hit the glass ceiling and I kind of kind of felt the pangs of what I didn't do which was go on the road and I was just kind of getting restless and I was making great money and doing all that kind of stuff but um, by circumstance I was just answering the phone one day and my receptionist needed a break and I was like I'll do it mm -hmm. and um, I talked to one of the former engineers that used to work at Westlake and asked him what he was working on and he was doing some Pro Tools files for an artist that had recorded there that was about to go on the road. And I just asked, I'm like, who's going to be your tour manager? Mm -hmm. And he goes, I don't know, like some girl that, that I didn't know. I said, you know, it should be me. And he goes, well, I can tell her manager, you know him. Um, and it, But by circumstance, she was opening up for Clay Aiken and all of the crew from Clay Aiken I had met from different bands coming in so I knew people on the crew even though I didn't have a lot of uh, contacts in the touring industry and I called my friend up and I said hey this opportunity might come up and he's and I'm like I have no idea. I've never been a tour manager before and he's like don't worry we'll teach you everything we know so the guy the manager Jeff Haddad calls me up and he goes well it's only three months worth of work um, jobs yours if you want it but that's that's pretty much gonna be it Meaning you're leaving, you're I'm, definitely I'm, be quitting I'm, one I'm job. I'm quitting for a one job, gig. 
And I had knots in my stomach because I knew that um, Steve Burdick, who is now the owner of Westlake, had plans for me. Like he, I was going to be vested, and mm-hmm. just my heart, I'd hit the ceiling. Like my heart wasn't there, even yeah. though I loved the job and the place. And I remember when I went up to him to tell him what was going on, and he said to me, you can come back whenever you want. And with That's that, right. I left, and I never had to go back because that manager of, of that artist, Cherie, went on to manage the Pussycat Dolls. And from there, like, and everything, every job I got snowballed from that first one. That's how I met, that's how I met Irving, because the Pussycat Dolls opened up for Christina Aguilera, and I met Mark Robbins, and so on and so forth. So that's how it all sort of, I mean, when I started with the Pussycat Dolls, I was everything. I was, (laughs) I was the production assistant, the wardrobe, because it was, it was only maybe five or six of us out on the road with those girls, so. Mm -hmm. And then until it grew to what it became. And then it was, you know, once it was over, it was time to move on to something else. So Mm -hmm. that's how I went from that to that, (laughs) in a nutshell. Um, Okay, so what's the, are there different jobs, there's differences between road manager, production coordinator, and tour manager? Mm -hmm. Because I was looking at your LinkedIn, I was wondering what the differences were with each job. Some of it it depends on the tour. Like, for example, I tour managed Sublime, which was a, decent sized tour small though um like a small little core crew um and on that i was i had an assistant i was a tour manager and there was a production manager um but no road manager well actually no i take that back there was a road manager road manager normally looks after the band so for example on janet jackson um there's an a party a b party and a c party the a party is normally the primary artist so that would be janet and then she's got her band that's the b party and then there's the crew so the tour manager usually travels with uh, the artist. Me, as the road manager, would, cr- would travel with the band and look after the band and all the other members. Like we had, na- uh, not nannies, but like parents because we had minors. We had tutors, we had a masseuse, a chiropractor, and all of those people to look after as well. And then the production coordinator looks after the crew. The production coordinator is the production manager's assistant. Okay. All right. But that's, the superstar artist has the A party, the B, A, yeah, B, C, I mean, it, it, three it, different people running yeah. three different I mean, Sublime, things. we were one party. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was it. There was no right. A, B, C. We all stayed in the same hotel. And it usually works that way, too. It's like there's an A party hotel, a B party hotel, and a C party hotel, and just depending on where you travel. When you go to really far off places where security might be an issue, then everybody will typically all stay together. But, um, yeah, it just really depends on the size of the tour. There's usually usually an A and a B, and then sometimes you know, an A and a C or a B and a C, but just depends on the size of the tour. Okay, tour manager, production manager, the third was which the? Production coordinator. Production, production coordinator. Can you describe the job, what each of these people does on the road? The tour manager fundamentally kind of, and, and the tour manager and the production manager work together. Um, Sometimes closely more than others, you know, they're sort of hand in hand. Sometimes it's just the tour manager is the end all be all, um, who oversees the overall, you know, a lot of times they might be the accountant as well, looking mm-hmm. after the financials of the tour. Maybe now, collecting money yes, at the end of every show. They'll do the, the settlements settlement. and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff as well. Um, and they usually do the day to day, and they'll usually have an assistant as well um, to do the day to day doing the day sheets for the band and so on and so Explain forth. Explain what a day sheet is also. Day sheet is, is exactly what it sounds, it's your schedule for the day. So mm-hmm. um, it's it'll have the hotel that you're staying in, uh, it'll have how long it's gonna take you to get from the venue, uh, from the hotel to the venue, and then it'll have uh, where you're going the next day, 
where that, you know, and, and how long the drive is going to be, or if you're flying, how long the flight is going to be. And then it'll have the run of the day, like what time load-in starts, what time sound check is, lunch, dinner, um, and then uh, what time showtime, opening acts, and so on and so forth. And all, all pertinent mm -hmm. information. And you're creating those um, the night before, so the band's gone to bed and you're working on the day sheet for the Yeah, normally day. I'm putting out the day sheet <clears throat> while the band is on stage. So everybody, okay. yeah, the show's over, they'll get it, and then you don't want to put it out too early because things will change and you don't want to put it too late because you don't want people to go to bed. But on top of that, you get a tour, well, it's funny because there's a uh, company out there that does a, an online-based um, yeah. tour management type of thing, which is, which is cool, but I work for a bands that like having tour books. Um, so you have a you get a book at the beginning of the tour that's got right. all of that same rough information in right. it, not like a so physical book. A physical book together. with all of your hotels. It'll tell you what time zone you're in. It'll tell you when to change your clock if it's that time of year. Um, you know, you know all the little details of the tour. When to turn your laundry in. If you can get tickets, who you get them from, and hmm. so. And if you have a really in-depth tour book, it'll be like here's fun things to do on your day off in this city yeah. and mm -hmm. so on and so forth. So it just depends. Depends on how much money the band wants to pay to generate a tour book like that. But um, most of the tours that I do would actually have a book as well. And then you get a day sheet every day as well. Okay. Um, then, okay, so that's one of the things so that's, that's that's tour managers right? do. And so that those same thing happens for each party. Like each person that's in charge. So the road manager would do those same tasks for the band. Mm -hmm. So I would, for Janet Jackson, for example, I traveled with the band. I had the band, the dancers, and the moms, and the kids, and all that kind of stuff as well. So I did their daily schedules. I would check them in and out of the hotels. Um, I would settle the hotel bills as well um, and book all their flights. So, and just whatever they need, someone gets sick, get them a doctor, and just mm -hmm. let them know, you know, get them, getting them to and from the hotel um, on the bus or however the motor transportation was. Just keeping them informed and, Making taking their after show food orders and things like that, um, which for that is we get fed four times a day on the road. You get breakfast, you get mm -hmm. lunch, you get dinner, and then you get after show food. Mm -hmm. So um, for the band, you know, I pass out a sheet and just have them write down whatever they want within a certain dollar amount, and then I hand that over to the production coordinator who mm -hmm. takes care of all the runners. And then when the show is over, we walk on the bus and there's a bunch of food. Right. So you mentioned when the show's going, you're doing, so you're not obviously on the side of the stage and it's no. this bus and you're in another room somewhere that yeah. the, the I, rider says, yeah. our person gets to go here. So yeah, so I would normally, yeah, I would walk the band to stage. Once I get the band on stage, I'd get them when they came off the stage. Because a lot of times, like, musicians will walk into a building and, like, mind you, there's a million signs telling them where to go and they're just walking around, like, waiting, <laughs> waiting for somebody to lead them around. You ever so. see Spinal Tap? Yes. It's like, uh, <laughs> hey, rock and roll, rock and roll. And they get completely lost. Right. I will tell you this. I was on a flight. I was on the Eagles. I don't remember what tour it was, but we were flying. I think we might have been overseas. I don't remember where we were. But I was seated. I always like to sit in the front of the plane. Not When I say front, not necessarily first class or business class, but just so I can get off the plane quickly. If we're, say we're checking, you know, go down, make sure the bags, whatever, so I can get ahead of everybody. But this was a layover. So I get off the plane and one of my buddies and I are walking around. We were gonna go get we were gonna go to the bathroom, go get something to eat. And I get off the plane. Now mind you, there's like 40, 40 people on this flight that are with mm. me. And I turn around and all of them are following, following me. <laughs> and I was like, where are you guys going? Like, where are we supposed to go? I'm like, well, I don't know where you're going. I'm going to the bathroom right now. Like, you guys heard the same announcements, you can read the same screens that are up there. So um, yeah, so now production coordinator which is probably my favorite job to do, 
it's probably as much work as being a tour manager, but with not as much responsibility of the overall spectrum of the tour. Mm -hmm. But it's the job that, you know, I'm the person that looks after the crew. Um, so I'm privy, I'm in the office with the management and the tour manager, and, and you know, and I'm friends with a lot of people on the tour. And a lot of times they don't have a voice, so they don't feel like they can speak up. And you know, when you're in that position, sometimes people have to fight for the little guy. So I kind of like doing that job the, the most. But um, and it's basically doing the same thing: day sheets, um, checking them in and out of the hotel. If someone gets sick, it's a doctor. So it's basically the same thing for each party. It's just who you're taking care of in that sense. Mm -hmm. um, when you're doing the crew, you don't have to do as much handholding. Those guys, they, know seem, yeah, yeah. they pretty much have their stuff together, so you don't have to do a lot of worrying that they're going to be on time. Yeah. Whereas when you're dealing with musicians, it's a completely different ball of wax. Rock and roll time. Yeah, <laughs> so it's, it's a lot It's a lot longer day. I mean, my Eagles call time was 5.30 in the morning, and I got done around 2 o'clock in the morning, and I don't wow. get to take naps. And it's all day long because mm -hmm. I've got runners, so I'm sending people out to get, you know, the, the lighting director needs a fan, or, you know, Don Henley needs some certain kind of water and, and stuff like that. So it's all day long and dealing with money. Um, in that position, I would have float. Um, so, Explain that. Um, float is the accountant would give me money, just like petty cash. So right. I have a credit card to pay for hotels, and then I have petty cash to pay for any of the daily stuff that we need, sending them out to get food and so on and so forth. So. I'm surprised. Uh, and somebody else mentioned this uh, in somebody else, some other interview we did. I'm, I'm taking up, you'll have plenty of time. We have a lot of time, so sorry. But um, <laughs> um, that, oh yeah, we, we talked to Bruce Pilato, mm -hmm. uh, Carl Palmer's manager mm -hmm. yesterday. Carl Palmer, the drummer, he was here. And um, he was talking about uh, paying for hotels when they check out. And mm -hmm. I'm, I'm curious, because like we have students here, we paid for the hotel in advance. We just brought a check and it was done. Mm -hmm. um, I'm surprised you guys aren't basically paying for it. I know they might be buying like well, no, the we do. and the thing. Or yeah, so what we do is a, we send the hotel rider out. And so we request, um, you know, we need this. To whom do you send the hotel uh, We send it to whoever the salesperson is for that particular hotel. So we, okay. our travel agent will, will give, basically he'll get the routing for the tour and he'll be like, okay, like, and he'll know what our price point is. And then he'll send me and the production manager back a list of different hotels. And there's sometimes it's like, you, there's t hotels you automatically stay in, because that's just where you always stay, mm -hmm. and that they have a relationship with. Um, so, and if not, they'll give us a couple of different options. I'll go online and look, and we'll pick the hotel. Usually right. it's based on what I want to do on my day off. And, um, <laughs> and then they'll send a rider out requesting, you know, we need X amount of rooms um, that have to be, you know, a king room or queen rooms or what have you. And then when I check it, so that I advance the hotel, make sure they have an updated rooming list, um, let them know, like I've had people who've had feather allergies, so you have to take everything that's down, <laughs> mm -hmm. or people who have drinking problems, you take the mini bar out of the hotel. So those kind of things I advance before we get there. And then right before I get there, if we're traveling by bus, I'll send them a list of who's on every bus and tell them to separate the keys by bus mm -hmm. so that if you know said bus shows up and I'm not there, um, they can just grab the keys, you know, the bus driver can grab the keys, hand them out or what have you. 
But one of the things we do is we put a credit card down to guarantee incidentals. Mm -hmm. So I can, because normally when you check into a hotel, you have to put a card down for incidentals. Well, you don't want 60 people standing there. First of all, <laughs> most of the crew guys won't do it anyway. Mm -hmm. um, but um, so that just guarantees that we can grab all the keys as soon as we get there. But they have to pay their incidentals when they leave, mm -hmm. which, well, for most of the guys that I work with, they normally do. But occasionally, and what another thing you're supposed to do is when you check out, A, you're supposed to check out, and B, you're supposed to get a zero balance saying that there is nothing charged to your room. Right. When you don't do that, that's when you get this errant bottle of water that you didn't drink that now I'm having to deal with. Mm -hmm. I'm like, did you drink the water? No, I didn't drink the water. And I'm like, you know, it's emails back and forth. So, yes, everything is already paid for, but you do have to take care of your incidentals. But you don't have to put, like, we put our credit card down so that you don't have to. It's funny because I I watched I'm a huge Eagles fan and I watched History of the Eagles Part One and Two mm -hmm. I just watched it again recently, and I'm thinking as we're talking hotels, uh, the, the Joe Walsh member mm -hmm. of the Eagles um, was known when they the Eagles got him in the band around the Hotel California era in '76 '77. They uh, he was known for destroying hotel mm -hmm. rooms. Um, are you you're not part of that era really by the no. time you got in that no, was no trust me 70, it's, it's yeah. so incredibly civilized you just don't even know because <laughs> i know henley and fry you know lakeland fry i know they were more businessmen yeah. you know on the road so yeah i, I mean that's the thing is you know health was over and they got back together and it's a business and, mm -hmm. and honestly of, of all the things i've ever done it's one of the best run organizations i have ever it's very meticulous um, which for some people it's, it's, it might be a little too corporate, but I like the structure of it. Mm -hmm. um, and they're just wonderful people to work for all around, from management all the way to the band, production, the crew, everything. It's just a great, great gig to have. It, it seems that um, tour managers, road managers, so on, it's a fairly small group of people, like let's say, not the Eagles because they're always out, but a band that's going out and they need a tour manager, and there's sort of like a group of tour managers, you know, that, so like you might know yeah. 10 other tour managers and so on, and to us it's a, a whole mystery, you know. Yeah, there's uh, like a, there's a network, like Marty Hom is, is a good name to throw out. Like that guy, mm -hmm. he's always working. I'm talking, and then when he's on one tour, he's at, like, he's doing Beyonce, He's advancing Fleetwood Mac. And mm -hmm. while he's working on Fleetwood Mac, he's getting ready for some Bette Midler stuff. And while he's doing Bette Midler, he's got some stuff that he's working on for Barbra Streisand. Like, and, but he also has a team of people around yeah. him. Right. And that, that's usually how it works. You have your team. Like, um, I, when I first got brought on to do the Eagles, I, like I said, I, met, I got introduced to the, the Irving Azoff world through opening up for Christina Aguilera. And um, I ended up just doing some one-off work with her, and that's when Mark Robbins, who is um, the tour coordinator for Irving, hit me up, and he was like, I, I need all your information. I want you to work on everything that we do. And I was like, okay, this is mm -hmm. awesome. And he, he gave me my first job with the Eagles, which then turned into doing Van Halen, um, and then doing more work with Christina and, and so on and so forth. But like I was kind of in their team, so we would I'll always end up touring with the same group of people, yeah, different, the yeah. same tour managers, the same production managers, and that's usually how it works. You've got to have your team, and you sort of farm out the work as you need to. Now, I would assume if you're not good at it, or if you're a slacker or whatever, word travels pretty quickly. Oh yeah, you just don't yeah. get out. You don't get fired. You just don't get out. They'll yeah. usually let you fin unless you do something really, really bad. You know, and especially if you're getting towards the end of a tour, it's like okay, you just won't get asked to come back. Right. So. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's the same thing. We have a friend, Dave Laurie, who's 
done a lot of tour managing and so on and so forth, and he had said the same thing and brought the tour books into school for us. Mm -hmm. and, you know, we have them a lot online and electronically and so on. I've never seen a tour book. I would love oh, yeah. to see a tour oh. book sometime. Sure. Christina, we've taken right. up every question. <laughs> I'm still on time. <laughs> as you can tell, we, we enjoy this interview so far. Yes, me too. Um, so who exactly, you're not working for a, a company when you're, how, like, how do you get to be the tour manager of the Eagles? Production <laughs> great manager. question. It's a great question. It is, you know what, and it's the one I probably get asked the most, and it's the hard question to answer because there is no direct line it's like someone's got to take a chance on you is basically how you do it um and you must interview well yeah and it that's the thing is it's normally it's a I word mean, personally yeah. well it's a word and that's the thing we were when the panel i did the other day we were talking about our resume is relevant um yes they are but usually people just look at them and be like oh well they did that and then they call the person you know the person yeah. that was on that tour yeah. to ask about you um but I mean, most of the times it's just been a word of mouth type of thing. But like I said, I had never on. So I went from working in a studio to, to being a tour manager just because somebody gave me the opportunity. Mm -hmm. And from that, he gave me the opportunity to basically do some other stuff working with another artist. Like production coordinator, didn't even know that it was a job. And then, I mean, I did once I got started out on the road and we would be the opening act for the bigger artists and I would see this person in the office that's like farming out all the, the information. And when Mark called me to do that job, that was the first time, I, the first time I'd ever been a true production coordinator was on the Eagles and it was the end of the Long Road Out of Eden tour. And I had never done a tour that big. I mean, it was, it was crazy, but it was a lot, a lot of fun. And so it was just somebody gave me the opportunity. Like I had the skill set. Um, but someone gave me the opportunity to do it, and that was it, because there's no class you can take. I kind of knew, because uh, I had been in different positions in the industry, so I had a good, solid knowledge base of a lot of things, and I knew how the, the job had, because it's just basically like a mini tour manager. You're just mm -hmm. taking care of a different group of people. But um, it's just someone's got to give you the opportunity to do it, and you either sink or swim. And that's unfortunately how it works. You can't take mm -hmm. a class on how to be a tour manager. I mean, you could, but, doesn't mean you're gonna get a job that way. Like it's yeah, not like right. it just doesn't work that way. You're talking about having like you just have to be the right person for the job, the right personality. What kind of skills must you have? Uh, soft skills. Yeah, I mean those are. I've seen people who are technically brilliant who have zero people skills, and have subsequently gotten fired. I mean people who are not team players. Um, I'm not saying you have to be everybody's friend, but you have to know how to coexist, especially in a live environment. You know, you're on a bus with up to 11 other people uh, living in such close quarters and working really, really long hours, and you just have to be able to just to deal with it, you know. And sometimes you don't get to take a shower, and, you know, sometimes you're doing back-to-backs and you're going from one gig rolling straight into another, and you have to be able to, to roll with the punches. And there are, surprisingly, there are people who have been on the road for years who do not have those skills, who are miserable and miserable to be around, um, but the people that are successful are the people that can can just sort of assimilate and you know come in and do their gig and, and just go off and do their own thing or you know hang out and have fun. It just depends. But you have to be able just to deal with all the different personalities. You, I, I don't know if uh, your what part of your earlier question was answered or I spaced out about um, who hired. Yeah, who who you're working who, for? Uh, are you an independent contractor? I am. Well, so now pay? yes, no. Okay. See now they. They're doing this funny thing. I used to be an independent contractor mm -hmm. when I first started touring. Then they started going through a payroll company. So we're on payroll, 
but we're not getting the benefits of being on payroll. So right. it's like I'm on payroll and getting taxed, but I'm, you know, and I'm on a tour that's got 150 people, but I'm not getting insurance. Mm-hmm. That was my next question. Yeah, yeah. so there's like, I don't really know how all of that has worked out. Um, but um, and you're not part of a union, right? No. So okay. I, I mean, I get hired typically by either the, the production manager or the tour manager or somebody from management is the one that hires me. So I do work for myself but I am paid as an employee of the tour. So mm. it's interesting because I get like, so Eagles is a good example. Theirs was um, ETC2 was the name of their touring company, but the payroll company is the one that paid us, which is Team Tours. So technically I'm an employee of Team Tours, mm-hmm. which was great when I was buying a house because I've worked, I've done so many tours that they, <laughs> that they were the payroll company that it looked like I'd worked for them for like six or seven years, mm-hmm. even though I had worked for seven or eight different bands at the time. Mm, right. So yeah, it's very, very interesting. Not a lot of people, I mean, I'm a 1099 now, but a lot of most touring people that do production are, are considered employees, unless you are incorporated, but then you have to have all of the insurance to back that up. Yeah. Meaning you, you could be your own company. You, you, you could be, be your Cherry own company. Lomax LLC. So yeah, if you do okay. that, you have to have all of, of, of the, uh, the insurance to back that up though. So mm-hmm. that's the only way you can, can get away with not being considered an employee. So health insurance for you, because uh, are, are you through Obamacare? Are you through some other... Yeah, I mean, well, now with, with JH Audio, now that I've been there for a certain time, I'm an independent contractor, but they do, they do I am on their plan. Mm-hmm. But before that, yes, I was paying for my own insurance. And it's interesting, too, because when, but when you leave the country, though, especially like Australia is a good example, you have to have insurance. Like they have to insure every single person on that tour, so that if something happens to you, that it's not going to fall on them. So, and you have to prove it. Or you have to prove to the tour company that yeah, you so have. Yeah, so the touring company insurance. buys buys these like travel policies for all of us. Mm-hmm. Now, for the people that were independent or independent contractors or incorporated, they had to buy their own travel insurance, um, mm-hmm. so that they were covered when they were in that country. Mm-hmm. So it's very very interesting how how it all works, but. So then if you're in that position, you have to think, is it really, is it worth it to do that tour? Am I going to make enough money? Yeah, well, see, in, in that sense, like, I mean, obviously you're covered under workman's comp because if you get hurt while you're working, then you're obviously covered. Mm-hmm. Um, when it comes to getting travel insurance, it's actually very cheap. Um, oh, yeah? I actually went on a vacation and I was horseback riding and had to have insurance and it was like $10 and it covered probably more than what my health plan in America was at, was mm-hmm. at the time. Right. But um, it's actually, in those instances, it's pretty cheap. But it's only in specific company or countries that you actually have to pr- provide separate and, and some sort of separate insurance. And Australia is one. You have to do a lot of things for Australia. But mm-hmm. yeah. Can you compare and contrast the first tour you ever done to the last one you've done? Has, have things changed? Yeah, I mean, have now with social media, like I remember like the, well, my first tour, I remember the internet was down, but at the time I think I had just gotten a Blackberry. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody was plugged into a hub in the tour management office. Um, and it was, you know, it was still, I mean, that was, my first tour was in 2004. So it wasn't that, that long ago, but it has, I mean, just with technology, it's amazing the things that happen with video and social media like while the show was going on people are tweeting and texting and doing all kinds of things um we did on the pussycat dolls we were actually recording the show and you could buy it on a wristband like the show that you just watched here's a usb wristband and here's a show that you you know you just paid for so uh, there's just a lot of more fan interaction which i think is really really cool um 
you know, they're figuring out a way to, to make the experience, you know, because ticket prices are so high right now um, that at least people are getting a little bit more for their money, I think, I hope. Just depends on the tour, but yeah. Do you, are you asked for any show uh, tours to sign uh, non-disclosure agreements so that you do not, because you see a lot of stuff yeah. that Absolutely. I don't artists think, don't want you I to I think know. the only person that I haven't, that I didn't sign one for was the Pussycat Dolls just because I had been there from the beginning when it didn't matter. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. So, but yeah, every, I don't, I, every band. I even got an employee handbook from Aerosmith. They have an employee oh, handbook. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. It's, it's, it's a business. I mean, that's where a lot of artists are making their money these days, and it's run like a corporation. It's a business. Mm -hmm. So, and they treat it as such. Even, even getting down to... Being in, a, I mean, you're on the road, so people think, oh, the whole sex, drugs, and rock and roll. But, I mean, yes, those things do happen. But there's a lot less tolerance for being inappropriate, especially if someone makes it clear that they're not comfortable in a certain situation. That stuff, they put the kibosh on that. It's not boys' club anymore. Mm -hmm. So, are you? You're with JH Audio now. Are you? Does that mean you're done with the touring? That was my goal. It wasn't even my goal. It was a job that I fell into. Um, yes, it, I, I went into it with the mindset that I was done touring. Um, not because I was tired of touring. It was just an opportunity. One of the things about being on the road is it's so much fun. It's so hard to get. It's easy, hard to get in and hard to get out because you, you, know, you get compensated well for, for being out on the road and being away from your home. And you get to travel all over the world. Yeah. But then it's like, then what do you do? Like, how do I transfer those skills that I have to something station, you know, that's at home? Mm -hmm. And um, for me, it was just a matter of timing. I went to go see a friend of mine that works for JH Audio in, um, in Los Angeles. And we were just chatting, catching up. And I asked if they had an office here, because I thought they did. And he said that they kind of didn't. And they had a guy that was part-time. And they were going to let him go. And they had offered the job to someone else. And then he looks up, and he's like, not unless you're interested and I was like well because and here's a little side note to being on the road as well is you know you sign paperwork and you make commitments I've signed contracts these days and you're signing contracts as well employment contracts uh, employment contracts for the um, are these for the length of the tour yeah it's like you're you're, com you're committing from this date to this mm -hmm. date this is what your rate's going to be you know if you decide to leave like this you know all the ramifications of x y and z just depending mm -hmm. on the band but unfortunately, you're not covered when they cancel on you. And yeah. um, while I'm very, very happy Miss Janet Jackson had her lovely son, um, that's a predicament that I found myself in that um, her life changed and subsequently changed mine because I thought yeah. I was going to spend all of last year on the road with her. And all very last minute, you know, things were getting postponed for different reasons and then pushed back and then ultimately the whole tour went away. But the problem with touring is if you don't have, like at the, you know, around September, October, you should definitely have an idea of what you're gonna be doing in January, or you should definitely be looking. So if it comes January and you have a tour fall out of your hands, it's like, what do you do? And that's what happened to me. So I found myself, you know, kind of going along, waiting for it to happen, waiting for it to happen, and then it didn't happen. And then I'm kind of sitting there like, well, what do you do? So another moral to the story is be smart with your money. Um, in these kind of jobs as well because that can happen like your production something could happen someone could get hurt um, And the tour gets put on hold and now you don't have a job and you mm -hmm. were counting on that money So you really really have to be smart with your money um, and plan, you know plan like something's gonna go something's gonna go wrong 
So for me, thankfully, when it all sort of went pear-shaped, I made a phone call and had a job rather quickly, but that doesn't take away from the fact that I hadn't worked for a really long period of time. And in that time, I was like, I really like being at home. This is kind of <laughs> cool. Wish that there was some money tied to it. So yeah, so when the whole JH Audio thing came up, I wasn't looking to get off the road, but I love the product. Jerry is an amazing man. He's genius. He's one of the nicest guys I've ever met. His in-ears, I owned them before I worked for the company, are amazing. Um, and it's a small company. Everything's made in America. Um, and they're just, well, like family run, a lot of fun. And um, I had the opportunity to grow something here that was that nobody was really tending to, and it's really taken off. So I'm hoping I don't have to go back out on the road. I don't want to. I got a dog, so I'm, I guess I, <laughs> I want to stay home. But um, yeah, so that's that's how I landed here. And um, if I have to go back out, I might dabble if need. I want to do those Eagles uh, festival. That's yeah. the one thing. I, as soon as I heard about that, especially now that they've announced that, that yeah. Glenn, Glenn Sundeacon is going to be taking or taking Glenn's spot, I I told him if Deacon is doing it, I want to do it. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, I might come out for the weekend to do those. Hopefully. When do they have to staff those? Because one, the one I know one is July thirtieth on the east. I don't know when the one is. The west I, is like two. I think weeks it's like two weeks. Right? Yeah, I think they're two weeks in between. They're probably let's see what is it? It's May right now. They will start rehearsal. They'll they'll do band rehearsals. I don't know how much production rehearsals they'll do just because it's probably just going to be like a big stage or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll probably going to pull from the group like the people that we always work with. Right. Um, if the people if those people are still available. So, you know, I made that call as soon as I heard about it, I, like three months ago when it was a rumor. I called management and said, I want to do it. So, uh-huh. and they'll they'll start slowly staffing. It's a festival, so it's it's hard. Um, you know, to get people back if they're already on the road. But that's mm-hmm. definitely something, there's, you know, re- they'll start with rehearsals and get your backline team, which are the band techs together and so on and so forth. So we'll see. So they would call you and then you would assemble a team. Yeah, for me, I would be, the, I'm not sure who, the production manager would put the team together. Like I, mm-hmm. like I said, I normally, with them, I get hired through management. So they hire me and then the production manager just inherits me. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, right. um and then, yeah, we'll just start from there and start getting gathering information from the crew once we get a crew established and booking hotels and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Which member of the team is involved with merch, with making sure the merch is there, that the merch is in transit, that the inventory is being taken, that the money's Well, we have, a, we have a merch guy that travels with us. And, uh-huh. uh, well, when I say us, I mean the Eagles. And Steve Lewis, I think Steve had been their merch guy for <laughs> like, for I mean, him, the Eagles and Journey. He's done that forever, mm-hmm. forever. Um, and he's he's guy, and he usually has an assistant as well. And they usually have pretty much an entire truck mm-hmm. um, to themselves, fifty foot, fifty three foot truck of merch, and they take care of all that stuff themselves. Mm-hmm. Okay, so they're sort of their own they're their, ecosystem yeah, within the tour. Yeah, they travel travel with us, but he he takes care of all of that stuff. Okay. Interesting, because right out here in Ryman Hall. Uh, on the side part where the trucks are and so on, mm-hmm. there's two buses, and there's a full eighteen-wheeler truck. Yeah, eighteen-wheeler, yeah, all merch. Yeah. And I don't know who's coming. I don't know who's in town. Yeah, I don't know who's, who's playing there. tonight. Yeah, I took a picture yeah, of it. We could have walked right said, in and stolen a few bucks. The first thing I said when I saw, you know, it was two two buses and that truck, and I said, Ryman Hall isn't that big. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it was somebody maybe, and they can't be, I guess, down at. Bridgestone because Cause of the, the hockey, hockey game, yeah. So uh, it, that's what m- reminded me, you know, when I looked at it and I said, it's odd 
that the size of that truck with the merge for Ryman Hall. Well, it's amazing that, you know, once again, touring just from touring itself and merch, like that's that's where bands are making their money. Mm-hmm. I mean, Kanye set merch record sales at Madison Square Garden when right. he was there. Mm-hmm. I mean, we always hear that, like especially if you have the merch person on the bus with you, and you, you know, after they do the count at the end of the night, and you find out like the price per head, and um, it's just amazing how much money people spend. I went to go see Rush, and every single person it was a sold out show, like at American Airlines Arena in Dallas, and every single person had merch on including myself so <laughs> it's amazing you know people are willing to drop the money on it and right. a 200 dollars ticket i have a quick question because i know you're dealing with whether it's uh irving azoff or you've dealt with other managers i've asked a lot of tour managers this question a lot of other managers what is the single most important aspect of the music industry an artist manager needs to understand from your perspective what i'm giving the fans what they want i think mm-hmm. um Sometimes, and I've seen it happen, they lose sight of, of what they really want. Um, I think now it's, it's changed with social media because we are now to be able to you know, gather all this data mm-hmm. to see what people want. We now, it's, we get the push of a button, we, can, we know what they're listening to. We know what they're searching for. And I definitely feel, especially I saw this with the Pussycat Dolls when I started, because I was also kind of in charge of the fan club. Mm -hmm. So I would read all the emails and and would get all the feedback of what the kids wanted. And I would sit in these meetings, you know, sort of off to the side, and I'm hearing all these people make these decisions that are not relevant to what Mm -hmm. what is actually what people actually want. And I would sit there and I would wait for my moment and I would just be like, can I just interject? Because I'm the one that reads all all the fan mail. So now I think they're, you know, they're a lot more dialed in. You know, obviously you have to make decisions, you know, financially that, that make sense for whatever reason, but I think now manager, managers and artists are a lot more in tune with what the fans really want because mm-hmm. it's easy to get that information now. Okay. Separate question again, just going back to the day-to-day things that you guys do. Um, every day on the road, does the tour manager, production manager, do you guys um, – production coordinator the three of you do you have like a quick 15 minute meeting every day or anything like that no to, it just depends with on your individual team it just depends on if something's going on like um once again i always come back to the eagles because it was just such a well-oiled machine like we were in um in australia and i have never seen a storm like this we didn't do a lot of outdoor shows or they don't do a lot of outdoor shows but this was like crazy we were an hour outside of melbourne and we, I mean, and, and in light of knowing what's going on with the world and, and seeing stages collapse, mm-hmm. you know, whenever you do shows outdoor, everybody, people are so thankfully hypervigilant now about watching the weather. And so we had been tracking the storm. Everybody knew, like everybody knew what was gonna happen if mm-hmm. something happened, and then something happened. And we were watching the storm come through and we knew like when the lightning was gonna hit. We knew all the aspects of the storm when it was supposed to happen. And I was sitting on the back of the stage taking pictures trying to get a lightning strike and mm-hmm. off, off in the distance. And I was standing there and was, the band was on stage at the time. And it was windy, the wind was picking up and it was getting dark. And all of a sudden, it felt like somebody came behind me and pushed me with all their might. Mm-hmm. The only reason why I didn't hit the ground was because there was a railing right there. It was a microburst of wind. And mm-hmm. then the rain, I mean, it all happened within seconds. I went, people were running, the people are getting the band off stage. Mm-hmm. Like, it was absolute chaos. Mm-hmm. I saw the video wall fly up, and I saw it. When it came back in, I went running the opposite direction. Mm-hmm. So after we got everything together, and the band actually went back on stage and finished the show, mm-hmm. the next day, we all got together and we sat down, and we, th- we thought about what could we have done better. 
Um, what do we need to think about the next time? You know, and, and, and also, you know, congratulating everybody for doing such a great job as well. So when things like that happen, it's like you do sit down and have a powwow when you know a storm is coming. Because on that same tour, at the end of the tour, um, we were in New Zealand and we the storm cell. It was one of those things like it was on the news, mm -hmm. like like worldwide that the storm was coming and it was gonna hit uh, New Zealand. So we got so far ahead of it that we went on the radio and hit every kind of media outlet possible. And we started the show hours early, just so that we could get it done before the storm hit. And right when they were taking a bow, boom, it hit, they got in the car and left. Mm -hmm. And so it's those kind of things just being proactive. Um, so they do happen. You know, if you've got a good team, you know, you do try to get ahead of things and, and everybody be on the same page. and present a united front. What can you teach real quickly, because we're down to, oh, we have a few more minutes. Um, DIY artists um, who are doing their own thing. Christina, for example, is in a band. You know, what are some things that they can do when they're doing their own shows or, or in that sort of smaller area? I think, especially if you go to a school that, that has, you know, a music program as far in a te on technically and musically, you know, especially when you're starting out, get to know the, the guys that are learning how to be engineers. You know, the, that's where your grassroots start. Like we were talking in my panel the other day, like if you want to be a tour manager, that's a great way to learn. Like you find an artist that has nothing, but, but that you believe in. Like you love their music, you're passionate about them, you could see the, you know, the vision and you got to share the vision and you learn as you go. And that's a great way to get started when you, when you go through a school that, that has all of those different you know, degree programs in place. That's a great way to get your to get your career started. Great. Okay. Um, what are some of the best things you learned about um, about the jobs you've had the in about the music industry over the years, and some things you've learned about life being on the road? Um, some things you took away from all of that. There's one thing I always remember when when I one time I was thinking about management, and and just being around the business and people coming in and wanting people to listen to your demos and all that kind of stuff. And when I was a runner at Westlake, Randy Jackson, as most people know him from American Idol, but I knew him as a bass player, um, he was a staff producer at Sony at the time and he was working on this artist and um, everybody knows Randy. Randy would walk down the hall and everybody knew him. And I remember telling him, I was like, oh my God, Randy, you know everything. And he told me, you know, Charity, when you're in this business, the same thing's gonna happen to you. But one of the things people would say, they're like, oh, Randy, I got this artist, man, and they're so amazing. And he would sit there and listen to them. He goes, okay, that's great. They can sing, they can write, but are they a star? And I, I never forgot that. And then I started working in the industry and working with different artists. And I've seen people who were not, I'm not gonna call names, but like, that person's not a great singer, but oh my God, on stage, mm -hmm. she is, I mean, like I can't take my eyes off of her. So it's not just like with any other job. It's not about how technically great you are. It's about that other skill that 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 brings people to you. Um, and then I've seen people who are beautiful, could sing. Oh my God, no personality whatsoever. And and their career as such went in, in a different direction. So those are some really cool things I've learned. I just learned a lot about how to work with people. Um, you know how to have the savvy to get what you want without letting the person know that you want that's you know that, that you're trying to convince them to do something they didn't want to do how to be able to do that without them realizing that you're doing that um, and just a lot about the world like seeing how other people live 
Um, I think if more people traveled outside of this country, they'd be a lot more empathetic um, and a lot happier. But that's probably some of the, the greatest things that I've seen um, and was ultimately what I wanted to do anyway was travel, was to see the world and, and just see how other people live. You mentioned a while back at the beginning of the interview we were talking about the tour book mm -hmm. and you said if a band wants like a really good one they're paying more for that. It's yeah. just because um, that that person, maybe you or whomever is creating it, um, is putting in that much more time? No, it's usually it's just a, it's a matter of pages. Yeah, mm -hmm. It's really just about size and printing. Okay. Um, and it's one of those things like it's usually the company, we would use um, SmartArt. Um, and we, you know, we, you just tell them what it is that you want, and, and they can generate it. Mm -hmm. You know, okay, I want to, you know, like well, I want to know where the Starbucks is and every wherever. So, mm -hmm. but yeah, some of them get real are really really fun. So um, there's a company that make these. There's a company that okay. makes it. It's I mean, not like you're not making it. No, we okay. basically compile all the information, and they will send us back. I mean, let me tell you once again, going back to the Eagles, we would spend hours we would do Skype calls and we would get the proof and we would go page by page page mm -hmm. by page it, that is probably because they call the tour book the book of lies because it's usually not accurate mm -hmm. but I'm mm -hmm. telling you that's probably the most correct tour book on the road is anyone that came from the Eagles because the amount of time that we put into making it accurate was like off the charts mm -hmm. but you, once you got it you were pretty confident mm -hmm. that, that not anything was going to change if it did change it would be in your day sheet but yeah, so that's, it just depends on how much money you want to spend to put that much, you know, kind of detail in. And usually, like, with, like, younger artists, you see that kind of stuff. The older guys, like, they don't care about, they got people to tell them where the closest Starbucks is. Mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> they could just use their app. Well, or that. No, or that's, too much, that's too much work. You was going to say, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's All right. Way too much work. Do you have a final question? Just one. I was wondering what's the, your most proud moment, memorable moment? Career. Proud, probably my there's there's two. Um, my Queen Latifah was at the time the, like the biggest tour. It was the first time I toured managed a bigger tour, um, and it was a tour that uh, people around sort of that were putting it together didn't think that I could do because I was too nice. Um, but ultimately, they let me do it. And when I finished it, like her manager came up to me and said, you know, and he wasn't one of the ones because he didn't know me. He just told me how, you know, that I did a great job and so on and, for, so on and so forth. So I was very proud of myself for that because uh, I was dealing with the mer I was dealing with a sea of things because it was a bigger tour, but not a lot of staff. So I was wearing several hats. Um, and then when the Eagles did my first trip to Asia, which I'd always been, I'd been to Japan a few times, but I'd never done a full tour of Asia. When we got done with that, because you have to understand as a production coordinator, when I talked about um, Petty Cash and Float, when you're in Asia, you are dealing with multiple currencies. And so you're having to reconcile and do ledgers for all of these different currencies and keeping track of it. You're responsible for the money, so if you're short, it's on you. So just getting them, and we were flying everywhere, getting all those people from point A to point B, probably about 60, 60 70 people from point A to point B for six weeks through Southeast Asia. When I got done with that, I was like, you know what, That's, that was mm -hmm. pretty awesome. <laughs> Did you have an app? How were you dealing with the money and the currency? Oh, no. I mean, it was just one of those things. It's like, all right, well, this is what I bought it at. I mean, it's just simple math. Like, mm -hmm. this is what I bought it at. This is what it is. 
And I would have to have, because the, the receipts would be, you know, I can't read them, so I'd have to have my runners like, hey, can you translate that for me and write it down in English so I know actually what the receipt is for? Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I mean, it was like, and it was crazy dealing with all those different lines. And, and the fact at the end that it actually came out right was like, like a big Christmas miracle mm -hmm. through all those conversions. But yeah, and Europe is the same way, and, you know, even though you're dealing with the Euro a lot, it's still a lot of jumping one, one currency to another currency and just keep changing the money and changing the money and having to keep track of what you're buying it at and so on and so forth. Do the runners eventually, are they doing it because they want to become production Yeah, and, and I tell a lot of people too, that's a good way to sort of get your feet wet, um, especially if you're in between jobs or, you know, or you're interning, mm -hmm. that's a good way to see how the touring world works. Because you know what, some people want to do it and then they get out there and it is not for them. Mm -hmm. Um, but do, being a production runner, like the runners at Bridgestone or, or whatever your local arena is, mm -hmm. has a, a pool of runners that they choose from. And that's a good way to meet all different kinds of, of production managers and tour managers and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Well, this interview has been a good way for us and our listeners to meet Charity Lomax. Well, right. it's my pleasure so to meet you guys. So we should thank Charity Lomax. Thank you for having me. This has been a wealth of information. I listened yeah. back to these, and this is one that I'm actually really looking forward to listening. Thanks for having me. I will be walking my dog thinking of you <laughs> at home with your dog instead of you at home. My baby. Yeah. He's going to be real happy when I get home. That's too. nice. <laughs> we were happy to have you. So, Charity Lomax, one more time. Thank Christina you. Rigamonti, thank you very much, Christina, for making this happen. Thank you. Dr. Stabon, we want to thank you for being here. Well, thank you. Happen. I had one more question, and I lost it. <gasps> Because oh, no. you hogged so much Oh, my time. goodness. I apologize for no, you don't. the hoggage. That is right. But uh, I, And I thank you for listening, all the listeners. And uh, at the end of every show, and you can say this with us, say adios when I point to you, okay? Because we don't say hello. We always say, adios! Hold the blinder. Adios! See